0: learn more at marines.com I don't think we played well enough to win today uh, we had our opportunities made too many mistakes uh, three fumbles in the first half lost two we um,
1: you know we had too many penalties weren't good in a red zone on defense today and then uh, you know obviously the you know we can't get the fourth down play to win the game so um, you got to get back to work we had a good week of practice we just didn't uh,
2: didn't play well enough I don't think
3: and we will Dive right into our pie chart of blame for what I think yesterday on Ventline, I think we called it the Falcons game was the worst loss of the season just because they were the Falcons. This is probably the most devastating loss of the season considering what the Vikings had built the last few weeks. So we'll do a pie chart of blame. We do have not only some Viking silver linings, but some NFC North Division related silver linings that we will get to as well. But let's first talk about Federated Insurance. Federated been helping business owners for over a hundred years in the Twin Cities. They're also a proud supporter of of University of Minnesota Athletics. And if you're looking for weekend silver linings, the Gophers, baby. I don't care that there is one of the most <laughs> egregious phantom pass interference calls in the history of football. We will take it. Federated, supporting Gophers Athletics, also supporting Minnesota United here on Score North, and supporting business owners with all kinds of uh, relevant content on their Twitter account, at Federated INS. if you want to form a partnership go to federatedinsurance.com where you can find out even more information and remember at federated insurance it's always our business to protect yours tcl is a proud sponsor of the score north studios join more of the things you love with tcl these two guys have minnesota sports flowing in
0: their veins mackey and john on score north and score north.com dallas trailing by four Oh, lamb went in motion Dalton looking in, so he throws! Touchdown! Wide open is the tight end,
3: Dalton Schultz. The Cowboys take the lead. You
1: know, there's still a lot of football to be played. Um, you know, we got to bounce back quickly and, and uh, get back on track. But, um, uh, you know, there are positives to point to. Um, but ultimately, you know, when you don't win, you leave the stadium just feeling sick to your stomach.
0: Yeah,
3: I think that probably sums it up. Let's let's put the uh, the action movie rewind treatment here before we get to pie chart of blame. Let's put the action movie rewind treatment on this game yesterday. Gentlemen, what was your main takeaway from the Vikings losing to the Dallas Cowboys? I'm just, I'm just curious before we get into
1: the pie chart. That the Vikings had the exact Zim formula to win. Like it was, if he could have scripted it out on Saturday night, the script of what I need, he got it. Unfortunately for Mike, his defense is not good enough ultimately in 2020 to hold up its end of the bargain. So my takeaway was was flawed or not, and I do believe that the concept is flawed, but Zimmer got exactly what he wanted from his team as far as the circumstances uh, to create the environment for victory and ultimately a defense that for a long time does not— Give up a lead not once but twice in the final quarter. And I'm talking about probably for like five years, right? Like you take that lead early in the fourth quarter, it's locked down. It's probably done. It's at home too. Um the defense could not hold up what it what it was designed and supposed to do, which which is a flaw, but that's my takeaway. Yeah.
2: What about you, Dex? Missed opportunity. Just an insane missed opportunity. If you would have won this game, you're a game back at the 7th seed. The Packers lost. You would have been two games back at the at the NFC North lead. Yeah. Just an insane missed opportunity, man. You had it in your clutches, and you lost to Andy Dalton and the Cowboys. So, missed opportunity.
3: I think my main takeaway is that it's, it's sort of what, what Judd was saying, but the Vikings' approach to winning games doesn't leave them with enough room for error. And even if their defense is awesome, it leaves them very little room for error because they can't really be trailing late in games because opposing teams know that they won't run the football. Dalvin Cook is basically eliminated from the equation late in games. And it just makes it a lot easier to play defense. You might you might wonder, well how do the Vikings look like that offensively the whole game and then all of a sudden because the opposing team knows that the best player won't touch the ball. So let's just right, let, let's get into the pie chart here. Pie chart of blame, Mackie and Judd where we uh we dissect the damage. Now on Mecky and Judd. This chart makes it as clear as I can to you. The pie chart of blame. You want to blame somebody? The Rock knows how you feel about pie. All right, Judd, lead us off.
1: All right, I'm going to start with the smallest amounts of pie
2: and work my way
1: up. Okay. And I've got one, two, three, I've got six six pieces of pie. Is that what wow. you usually
2: do for Thanksgiving pie? Six too? pieces of pie. Do you do small then bigger or bigger than small? No, I go too big, too quick. Actually, you no, know, you know what
3: you might want to do. Too big, here. too quick, you're right. In the spirit of Thanksgiving week, since you want to serve up so much pie, what if you had two pies? It I mean, is it was it worth is it worth carving up two pies you for know what? what we
1: saw late in that every, game? Yesterday. Every year, every year this week, I make the same mistake too. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. I try and not eat much, right? Because mm-hmm. I'm like, by Thursday, I'm gonna be starving. It's gonna be great. Thursday, I'll run downstairs and start on the hors d'oeuvres. And by the time the turkey served, <laughs> wait, wait,
3: I'm stopped. Wait, when you run downstairs on Thursday, are there just hors d'oeuvres yeah. on the table? Has
1: Oh, she's she's starting on the turkey to go plan tonight. The yes. bird the bird was in the sink on Saturday. Oh my love. The bird's in the fridge right now. Tonight she starts right, Declan, it's turkey to go. Declan and I are going to swing
3: by your driveway yep. and just uh, get a little a little cur- I'm curbside. i tell you right now, Thanksgiving meal.
1: Dawn right. has turkey to go down, and it changes your life. Yeah, because turkey's you know turkey's turkey. It's not great. It's fine, yeah. but turkey to go. One hundred percent. You know it's funny. My, so my
3: my mom made turkey to go sandwiches for twenty years. Oh, they're so good. And uh, and left the recipe. Haven't dabbled in it, but like yeah. left this like the seasoning she puts on it and everything.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, no that's oh, key. Man. That's key.
3: So, I say right. saying that the option for creating a second pie here, there was so much off yesterday's
1: game. It is Thanksgiving week, so. Oh, I mean, I could create two three-piece pies, too. You know what? Think of this however you want, okay? <laughs> it's up to you. 5 I start with a 5% chunk of pie that goes to unfortunately my guy because I still th- think he's fantastic. He caught the what, 39-yard touchdown pass yesterday, Justin Jefferson, because on second down on that last Vikings drive, you've got to catch that ball i mean it was a crossing route he had yards and yards possibly um and he basically thought about how much he was going to gain before he secured the football uh i think this is the first mistake i've seen him make where it was just obvious so far 2020 but five percent because if that pass gets caught it changes that last drive completely i think yeah and i mean
3: keep going because i think we're all going to touch on some of these but like Kirk Cousins can't beat you with his legs in that situation. Kirk Cousins isn't going to get perfect offensive line protection. So he's he, like, he has less of an opportunity to beat you in that spot than Russell Wilson does he, or Pat Mahomes, right? He is not Pat Mahomes. So when yes, so you, when you throw a perfect pass over the middle to your most mobile explosive receiver and he drops it, it lets a lot of air out of the balloon yeah. for
1: Kirk in that spot. Exactly right. A 5% also goes to a key factor here, Vikings discipline. And this is sort of on coaching too. Uh, And we can complain about the refereeing all we want, but eight penalties is too much. Uh, They they scored, the Cowboys scored nine points off the Cousins and Cook fumbles. So 5% goes to discipline or a lack thereof. And to Dex's point, missed opportunity is also rooted in in the fact that you were lacking that discipline. 15%, now it gets fun because it goes to a couple players here. 15% goes to... Chris Boyd, Mm. wow! a fake punt that is about to get you a first down. And you talk about things that uh, change momentum in games, right? Like swing things. Fourth down, you're going to punt. Chris Boyd, the Vikings run to near perfection, idealistically wise. They run the perfect fake punt. Colquitt throws a fine pass. Chris Boyd's got the first down and more. The Vikings are about to come back on the field. Everything is coming up purple, and then you go back and watch the replay. And Chris Boyd at the line of scrimmage before the punt is basically hyperventilating to let Cole quit. Who, by the way, was in on the play? They practiced it. No, I'm open. I'm. I mean, this was my guess.
3: Is it's like it's a look that so everyone they're going to punt, right? Yeah, and then they get a look, and everyone has to sort of know when that when that look pops up. And so maybe Chris Boyd's thinking. Am I the only one that sees the look? Oh, my God. But this oh, is, my God.
1: Who else sees the look? This is third-grade oh recess at St. Therese for me, right? <laughs> like,
3: I'm open, Johnny. I'm open. I'm going to be open. Or like Judd on the playground. Someone tells you, like, you can't tell anybody else about this. Oh,
1: my God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then you run inside and tell the rest of the class, right? Yeah. And, and then Chris Boyd on the subsequent punt because they have to punt hits a guy from behind to take a 15-yard penalty that gives the Cowboys the ball at their own 48 for starting position, and, of course, the Cowboys go down and score. And that makes the score 13-7. to So you go from momentum-changing fake punt. And, by the way, the fake punt is now gone. Everybody now expects it. So you ran. You shot your shot. It worked. And it's got 15% Chris Boyd. yeah, 20%. So Chris Boyd made mistakes, right? Like these are mistakes, and people make mistakes. Like it's frustrating, and 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 it shouldn't happen, but they make mistakes. Actually, you you missed one of the Chris Boyd. Chris Boyd
3: dropped a game winning interception. Yeah, you're right. And it and it it was an Andy Dalton was uh, Andy Dalton was throwing a slant a slant route. I can't remember who the receiver was, and the receiver cut off the route. There was just some miscommunication. And now, in fairness, Chris Boyd was watching the route, and, and then like as he's turning, the ball is hitting him in the chest between the numbers. It's a tough play. You're so right. It wasn't like he was tracking it the whole time and dropped it, uh, but it is worth noting he could have ended the game
1: if he catches that ball. So 15% Chris Boyd, and Chris Boyd made mistakes, but they are they're mistakes. Lack of effort is not a mistake. 20% goes to Chris Boyd's fellow rotating left cornerback, Chris Jones. Oh, my God. The Pollard 42-yard touchdown run, I'm going to say this right now, and I don't I don't think I'm going out on a limb here. Zimmer took over this team in 2014, okay? And, like, his defenses have been for a long time pretty damn stout. Like, they've had bad games. I get that. But I, it, the philosophy of his defense is pretty, pretty sound. I would say this is top five and maybe top three missed tackles of all time by a Viking under Zimmer. I mean, it's that bad. The Pollard run, 42 yards, and, and the Star Tribune has a great picture of Chris Jones basically watching Pollard run by him without anything besides, uh, oh, hold on, I'm going to put my, oh, I like, missed you. Like, what is, so, the, the
3: the obvious explanation is that he just didn't want to make a hit, right? Like, the, the obvious explanation yeah, is. Yeah, that's a simple one. He made a business decision, even though he has no job security, I don't know how they haven't cut him yet. We're recording this on a Monday morning. It's been... Okay, well, they might
1: have. We wouldn't know yet.
3: And and I think if you're looking for a secondary explanation, I have been trying to put myself in his shoes. Like, what is the... There's no way that he just, like, just backed out of making a tackle on that spot, right? But what is the other explanation? What other explanation would there be to not put your shoulder pad in that running back's hip? It doesn't make any well,
1: sense. I mean, he looks he looks <laughs> legitimately like he's caught by surprise, but why are you caught by surprise? Like were you told a pass was coming? I, I just think, don't. I, I don't know. I can't explain
3: it. Like the only other thing I can think of is, but but it was it was like the like, I know. Pollard was in the second level, so the only thing you can think of is, did he think it was a play action and oh he doesn't have the ball, but why would he still be like pretending to not have the ball? It's like that far he's down the frozen field? in
1: time. <laughs> it's so weird and like and like it's just bizarre. All right, so twenty percent Chris Jones because that was just pathetic. Yeah, twenty five percent. Speaking of guys who might not be employed by Tuesday, 25% Marwin Maloof special teams. Third consecutive game in which, let's see. So against Detroit, two block punts. That's bad. Against Chicago, I believe two long punt returns. Cordell Patterson's 104-yard return for a kickoff touchdown touchdown. Uh, bad snap by cutting that cost the Vikings an extra point, which could have absolutely cost them the entire game. To the point yesterday, where Zim created long snapper controversy by by having cutting inactive and a guy they just signed off the street who hasn't played since 2018. He did I, I he did it. the snapping power move because Zim, I love Zim the power loves move. Zim. I figured this out, boys. Zimmer and he might be right here. Loves to take Spielman's special team draft picks and deactivate them.
3: And I think and he, him. I think the one thing he hates, he, Zimmer is not a very patient man, right? No he's hope. he's he's gained more patience. <laughs> the understatement of the Mackey and
1: Judge show of all time, you just made it.
3: He's gained more patience over the seven years as head coach, but I guarantee you, he's at practice every single day, and he's looking at just how complicated and nuanced cornerbacks' jobs are, and just how much you have to think about, and process, and do, and internalize, and the same for. Almost every other position, right? Offensive linemen, like he's—he's oh, yeah. he's a little bit more patient with guys like Elfline um, and guys like Samia because, God, there's just a lot going on. You're just—you're try- trying to figure out: are they stunting? Is there a blitz? Like, you're trying to get your footwork right. And then he looks at the special teams guys, and they're sitting over there for two hours in practice basically just kicking field goals and punting to each side
1: other. side field baby they're you on have, side field they're on their own in,
3: and i am not saying that any of us could go into an nfl game and long snap a football with any sort of like, right. ability i'm not saying that right but if you're looking at a head coach who's not patient who's trying to mold all these complicated things and then he looks over and austin cuttings only job is to long snap that is your only job yep and, and he can't, and, he, and he's rolling ground balls back. Mike, in Mike Zimmer's mind, it's like,
1: dude, you're cut, or you're on the so bench this week, deactivated. Jeff Locke, Blair Walsh, um, Daniel Carlson, and yeah. now Cutting. Yeah. These are all guys because you know what, Mike. Mike is bound and determined to teach Rick. Just take a damn cornerback with that draft pick. The Rock knows how you feel about. Hi. So, and special teams. So on Sunday, muffed punt, botched trick play, uh, subsequent Chris Boyd penalty. And then don't forget, too, it was a C.D. Lamb 20-yard return of a punt that put Dallas at its own 39 to start the winning drive. 25% special teams. And that leaves a 30% piece of pie for the unit that deserves it, the Vikings defense. 180 yards against on the ground, which I looked this up this morning. It looks like it's about top eight in the all-time opponents rushing yards against for a Vikings team since Mike got the job in 2014. Uh, The defense struggled at times against Andy Dalton. Dak Prescott, I'd be like, oh, okay, I sort of get that. Andy Andy Dalton. Dalton, Uh, but but, Dalton. But I put 30% of the pie on them, but I get it too. Like, they're just not that good. They've got – Kendricks is great. They've certainly got some good players. But your interior defensive line – is going to be consistently, right now, a weakness. Your cornerbacks are going to be at times two. So I'm not like saying, oh my God, I can't believe this. But back to the top of the show for me. They are incapable of holding up the end of the bargain that Zimmer needs them to. So ultimately, 30% goes to Defense, twenty-five uh, percent. Special teams. Chris Jones gets twenty percent because you got to be able to tackle when you are playing the National Football League. Chris Boyd, fifteen percent. Justin Jefferson, five percent. And Vikings discipline, five percent. That is one hundred percent. Six pieces wow. of pie.
3: That is it. That's a Thanksgiving week. The Rock knows how you feel. But now about- I'm going to go take ahead. a nap. Yep. All right. I'm going to. This is what's amazing. I thought as you're going through your pie chart, I was like, man, Judd and I have basically have like pretty similar pie charts. And then you got to the end of yours. I just want to preview that I gave seventy five percent to something that you did not give any pie to. Nice.
1: See, this is why the pie so charts are great. This yep. is this. So is, you're bringing a different pie. I'm bringing like a you're bringing. You are coming pie. over late. I I just ate, and now I'm going to go take a nap, and then you're going to show up and knock
3: on the door <laughs> for a second meal. I'm still envisioning Jud to waking up in the morning like your Christmas <laughs> morning is turkey to go Thanksgiving. The wife's been slaving away for like. two She's been up since
2: two in the morning. Right. is four you days. Went, this is four, come, three here days comes of prep. Judd, you and Stella just running down the stairs. I'm telling you in right, the same pajamas. Yes,
1: I'm telling you right now. I was very excited Saturday <laughs> when I saw the turkey in the sink. The bird in the sink that's the start of the process of dethawing.
3: you know i think so uh we're not gonna we we've made the decision we're just gonna my wife and i are not gonna see family our family's kind of scattered throughout the country and stuff we're doing the same yeah and so we're uh we're gonna support a local restaurant i see all these awesome menus coming out saying like if you get your order in by monday or tuesday like nico's tacos has a thanksgiving menu awesome. in uptown like love it yes injected into my veins yeah. anyways Pie chart of blame here. The Rock knows how you feel about pie. All right, 5% special teams lifetime achievement award. All right, I'm not just rewarding the special teams for, okay. for their uh, incompetence yesterday. You know, The muffed punt by Osborne, the 20-yard punt return, the illegal motion penalty that we, we covered in your pie chart, uh, Chris Boy with the illegal block in the back as a gunner. Like, what are you doing? All of this comes... Off the heels of multiple blocked punts against the Lions, ground ball snaps by the long snapper, other gaffs, etc. So just five percent for a month's worth of brilliant incompetence Marwin. by the Viking special teams. Ten percent, Justin Jefferson for dropping the crossing route pass late in the game. I'll okay. say it again. I mean, Kirk Kirk Cousins was excellent in that game yesterday. Yep, and it might have been the best game he's ever played as a Viking, and he's sitting there with. Less than two minutes to go, one time out. You got to score a field goal to keep the game going. A touchdown, and his tools in that spot are not as plentiful as a Russell Wilson, a Kyler Murray, because he can't just like abort mission on a pass and run the ball for 15 yards. He has to throw the ball down the field seven or eight times to get the Vikings where they need to be. And so, if you drop passes on crossing routes like that, you're basically just like eliminating all chance of converting a first down and moving the chain.
1: And that's what if, if he catches that ball, 20 yards. You think? It's at least like, a first down.
3: There was a spot. lot.
2: There, there was room there. I as think well. it's a first down at the very least.
3: It looked like the Cowboys were playing. I mean, they were playing soft coverage yeah. and allowing underneath stuff. I think he so gets I don't about know, twenty yards. Does he yeah. break a tackle or something? It depends. But obviously, like when he drops that pass, you're thinking, "Oh my god." I think that they. I think that they tie the game on a field goal if he catches that ball. Yeah, I think you're probably right, and then it mm-hmm. depends on basically who wins the coin flip in overtime. 10% to Chris Jones' business decision on the 42-yard touchdown run. And I just I just tweeted the question here, uh, have the Vikings cut him yet? Are we on are we on hour by hour watch? How can you honest to god like he's a he's just kind of a replacement level player, right? I know that they're short on cornerbacks, very much so. But how can you watch that film? Unless there's some other explanation we don't know about. That right. The guy had a dislocated like the guy had a broken clavicle and just couldn't make the hit or something, right? If there's no explanation for it, you have to cut him. You can't set the bar in that room with those players, those young cornerbacks, that that's what you
1: do on that play. Like, you have to throw your body in front of that running back. He was a lion, okay? Like, so, <laughs> yeah, if you cut cut him, there's you're not c- going to be, oh, my God, I can't yeah. believe you cut Chris Jones in 2020, and now he's a Pro Bowl player. I think you're fine cutting him. Here's he was with thing. Detroit before. When it comes to business decisions in football, Usually, the guys that make business
3: decisions are the ones that have business to protect. Like you've got yeah. job security, you've got major earning he, potential on the horizon, you've got endorsement deals. He literally and looked, what you, he's,
1: he's, he makes like league minimum. He looked like, like no his job contract, security. He looked like his co- contract reads, "You are paid to cover guys in passing situations." <laughs> I, I guess. So, I'm, so dude, I'm not paid to stop the run. Okay, thank you. So, five percent special
3: teams, ten percent Justin Jefferson, ten percent Chris Jones. 75% of my pie chart of blame goes to the Vikings inability to function offensively in the final two minutes. And I know this is going to ruffle some feathers because the defense gave away multiple fourth quarter leads. It was back and forth. The defense couldn't couldn't hold serve like we've seen for the last six, seven years under Mike Zimmer. Yep. And all those things are true. The defense gave up the go-ahead touchdown. Not, n- nothing about the defensive performance is worth praising in the fourth quarter, okay? Yep. But this is how the NFL works. The NFL is a back and forth league. Yesterday alone, all right. Yesterday alone in the NFL, yep. Eight games came down to the final possession in the last two minutes. Yeah. And some of the some of the quarterbacks pulled it off. And and I shouldn't even say quarterbacks. So whenever we put this stuff on Kirk Cousins, it's like so. Forget about the Cousins, Cousins was great yesterday. And Justin Jefferson dropped a pass. So let's just focus on Vikings offensively. Kirk is a part of this. Not yesterday as much. But there have been 148 fourth-quarter comebacks in the NFL regular season over the, the past three years. 168. The Vikings have one of them. And that was Are you bleeping kidding me? The Broncos, right? It was the Broncos game. Which is a
1: terrible team. Yep. Yeah. yeah.
3: And now they came back and they tied the Packers in the fourth quarter in 2018. And so that counts as a fourth-quarter comeback, but they didn't win the game, so I'm not counting it because the win matters. Sure. And so, again, like games go back and forth in the NFL. Many are, if, if not most, yesterday, most games are decided inside two minutes. And and you're sitting there. I don't care if it's if, if the game flow was a 10-7 to 7 defensive grind game or if it was a 35-31 shootout. Tons of games come down to the two-minute drill. And the Vikings offense is the most incompetent two-minute drill offense in the NFL the last three years.
1: Yeah. Period. But that's how they're built like that's on that's on Spielman Zimmer that's on the people that make the decisions like they were yesterday's game here's the scary thing it had almost every element of what they want this is what they want like they they have constructed their team to be very successful and possibly win championships in 1992 that's how they're constructed so like I, yeah, let's not blame Kirk. They they are they are built to do what they did. The only thing they're basically built not to be trailing late because the construction is our defense won't allow that, which yeah. they're not good enough defensively to do now. But this is this is the problem and it goes beyond Kirk. This is a front office philosophical decision of how they're going to operate and it's a really intriguing thing. Um, but unfortunately for them in 2020, it don't work. I mean, what you just
3: said, think, think about it. And I'm I'm not shooting the messenger here that the Vikings aren't built to trail late. Correct. But think about how many games you're trying. You're trying to bend reality to what you want it to be. It's not possible. I don't care how you're built. I don't care if you're built like the Vikings. If you're built like the chiefs, you're going to trail late. And if you don't have a way to win some of those games, I'm not even asking you to win all of them. You've won one of them in the last three years, yeah and also worth noting this is the in terms of like you know the ability to move the ball offensively we are in the midst in part because of the pandemic and and lack of offseason workouts in part because of just offensive rules you know rules favoring offenses we are in the midst of the highest scoring and highest yardage season in NFL history. It is easier to move the ball in those situations mm-hmm. than it ever has been in the history of football, and the Vikings are still. Completely incapable of crossing the fifty yard line in most of these situations. And I and, and yesterday, Kirk Cousins was not really part of that problem. I mean, like, would it have been nice if he could run for a first down or something on fourth? Yes. Right. Um, but he has been part of the problem in a lot of these and because and of his just like inability to lead and focus in these situations. This is so. not
1: this is what you just went through is not going to change until you have a different coach. And, and maybe a different general manager. but And that does not make him a bad coach. But if you're telling me I mean, it, it, you it's, want it's a this huge, to change, It's a huge blind spot. If you're telling me that, that you want a team, I mean, it sounds so silly, but that can take a two-minute drive and be successful and be built that way, you would need a new coaching staff.
3: Yeah. I mean, seriously, like when the Vikings are trailing, like halfway through the fourth quarter, and there's only one or two possessions left, and the Vikings are trailing, The game is over. And that's not just me like giving a hot take. Statistically and factually, the game is over. The last three years. They have won. So, 75% to the Vikings' inability to move the ball offensively in the two-minute drill.
2: Declan? The
0: Rock knows how you
2: feel about pie. Honestly, a, a tough pie chart because, yes, Chris Boyd had a bad game. Some guy named Chris Jones also had a very bad game. I had to look up who number 28 Jones was uh, in the first series of the game because I had no idea who he was up until uh, the first quarter of yesterday. But I had a tough time putting blame on specific players for this one. I think this was a communal team effort. So 70, I have three chunks of pie, but 70% of this pie is going to the lack of clutch execution. So... You had the last drive. All you have to do is just get in field goal range, right? Mm -hmm. You also have a drive before them before the Cowboys happen, where you could ice the game right there, too, the second-to-last offensive series the Vikings had. Adam Thielen is just complaining and being on the sidelines, just beside himself, that there's no flag. I know we all love Adam Thielen in this town, but for God's sakes, Adam, calm down. It's the National Football League, not the National Thielen League. I need you to relax, dude. He gets football. so yeah. bent out of shape over the smallest things that happen in football, man. You're covered. That's what happens. It, it really bugs me because he always has been like this. Be careful. And people, Be careful. He is I of did this, He's
1: from here. I did this same rant two years ago and got an incredible All amount right. of crap because people are good. don't pick on Dude. Thielen. His whining, his moaning and whining drives me crazy. We,
3: it is a thing here. Like, Carl anthony Towns does the same thing with yes. the Timberwolves. Like, let's just... Let's just be able to overcome some adversity here, boys. No kidding.
2: So those two offensive drives could have ice the game. You didn't. Just Jefferson has that, cl- that, that bad drop in, in, on second down. 70% for lack of execu- clutch execution. 15% for the lack of pass rush against Andy bleeping Dalton. Okay, so according to ESPN stats and info, the Vikings pressured Andy Dalton on only four of 34 yeah. dropbacks yesterday. PFF, PFF has six
3: pressures, four hurry, so basically the same. Yeah.
2: It, it, like, it so doesn't, if you don't pressure Andy Dalton, like I know we all think Andy Dalton is a, is a basically a bum. He's a backup quarterback right now, but if you give him time to throw, guess what? He's going to find the throws, pressure him.
3: And I'll tell you what, the one sack, so Jaleel Johnson had the one sack, that was a coverage sack. Andy Dalton was back there for a yeah. half hour, and <laughs> and Jaleel Johnson just like bumped into him. Yeah, he like got his <laughs> arm on him, and, and that was it. Yeah.
2: So, fifteen percent for the lack of pass rush, and then the final fifteen percent, my third piece of pie, is you beat yourselves. So, eight penalties for eighty yards. You outpossessed Dallas. You outgained Dallas. You had the recipe for thirty Dalvin touches. You found Adam Thielen for two touchdowns. Justin Jefferson had another big catch and another decent game. You literally beat yourselves. Two fumbles, too, and the, and turnovers. So. If you look at the box score, you take away the score, you'd probably think the Vikings win this game. But the penalties killed you. The lack of clutch execution killed you. You let Andy Dalton sit in the pocket and basically fillet your defense, and some of that was missed tackles. I get that. But you beat yourself. So my pie chart goes 70% for lack of clutch execution, 15% for the lack of pass rush, and 15% for beating yourselves.
0: The Rock knows how you feel about pie. Great
3: stuff. That was very therapeutic. I think yesterday was a very therapeutic episode of Vikings Vent Line 2. So uh if you if you haven't yet checked that out, purple daily podcast feed, Apple Spotify Scornorth dot com. Uh you can also just go to scornorth.com and find all of our videos, all of our podcasts, et just, cetera, et cetera. Just
1: when you got sucked back in just when you were thinking to yourself, Oh wow, this is impressive. Post by three wins. I I'm,
2: right. I'm, I'm I'm back. It's like when she, you know, she tells you now she wants to commit and now uh it's supposed to rug underneath you.
1: You know what? The Vikings and I are <laughs> That's just never happened to me. So. The Vikings and I are just friends, okay? Okay. We're just friends. Gotcha.
3: Well, while we sit here and try to figure out what to do with our uh, tormented Vikings relationship, the one thing that really does make all of us feel better is when the Packers lose hilariously and their fans <laughs> melt down on postgame call in shows. This is Packer Ventline, courtesy of our friends on the Green and Gold postgame show on the fan in Milwaukee.
1: the Packers are not trying to win a Super Bowl. They don't care about that. Their goal is to be good and sustain goodness, if you will. Uh Uh Last year, they got to the NFC Championship game. They lost four games. In those four games, they gave up 732 rushing yards. In the NFC Championship game, they gave up
0: 285 rushing yards. So you'd think you don't have to be the smartest person in the room to know, oh, what do we got to do? We got to address Run defense, but they don't because they don't care about being great. (laughs) Go, pack,
3: go! That was such an. So they were up by 14 points at the half yesterday on the Colts, but the Colts are those are one of those teams. Even if they get off to a bad start defensively, they're kind of a punch you in the mouth defensive team. Yeah, they are good. The Packers hate getting punched,
1: and they got punched. Well, and the quarterback really hates being punched. He does. He doesn't take it well.
0: Packers such a soft and complacent organization. Our special teams have been bad for a decade, whether it's Sean Slocum, Ron Zook, had to be about the worst ever. Now we've got
2: we got a punt block this year, a punt return. Well and Gary, going back to your
1: point before the break about why players don't come here, this I remember
3: um Darrell Revis saying he was shocked Green Bay never called him. And that's that was what we did under Ted and obviously Moody's done a little bit more, but we like our guy. We're it. Go, Pat,
2: go! Did
1: I hear that guy just complain about special teams problems? You want special teams <laughs> problems? You want special teams problems?
0: Go, Pat, go! This loss is more to me on rocks. if you ask me, because he's the, he's the guy. And for him to not make decisions like that down the stretch where he's supposed to be the man with ice in the veins,
3: it's kind of troubling to me. Go, pack, go. That's hilarious. It, you know, honestly, Packers and would right? be even more glorious if the Vikings had won that game. And now you're sitting here watching them melt down. Vikings creep
1: within two. You're, yeah, five and five. You yeah. second place basically. Yeah, you're right.
3: We uh, we are contractually obligated when the Vikings lose to go around at least one lap around the room with silver linings. Mm-hmm. I know it doesn't feel like a silver linings kind of a day. It feels like a pile on the Vikings day, but, but damn it, that's what we do. When the Vikings lose, we do offer up some silver linings. So we have to at least offer up one each, a Viking silver lining before we talk Timberwolves.
1: Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I got one. Before he dropped the crossing route on the Vikings final drive. The 39-yard touchdown pass, and I'm going to give credit both places here, okay? So hear me clearly, folks. I'm going to speak very clearly on this. The 39-yard touchdown pass from Kirk Cousins to Justin Jefferson was a thing of beauty and I think a prelude to what is to come or potentially what should be to come. That was gorgeous. And that, and you know what? To Kirk's credit, Kirk can throw that, that pass. Kirk, listen to me. You can throw that pass. You're good enough. You're smart enough. You're talented enough. You can throw. And, and damn, damn it, it, people like and you. And da- no, well, actually, I don't know that, that they do. Uh. Um, but damn it, you can make that play. I mean, gentlemen, for as good as Thielen was on Sunday, and he was, that, that play to me might have been the most encouraging thing because, like, that play is there. And by the way, Jefferson was covered. So that was not some... Busted coverage. Mm -hmm. Oh, my God. He's just, you know, he's wide open, 39 yards down the field, easy touchdown. Um, That, to me, was incredibly encouraging as far as what we should see more of. And Kirk can throw that ball. Jefferson, while being covered, can catch it. Uh, That opens up a door to me for a play that is going to be there.
3: I just... The, the the coach has to want to run more plays like that. The the, co- the, the coach agree completely. The coach wants to make sure that Dalvin Cook is getting fed, <laughs> which is like Dalvin Cook,
1: should and get he doesn't fed, trust right? Kirk, and I get that. But that is with Diggs, and now Jefferson. That's the play that Kirk can actually. That's the throw that he can make.
2: Mm-hmm. What about you, Dex? Silver lining. Yeah, I mean, I I wrote down Jefferson too, but I'll pivot off a little bit. Um. I'll say that Eric Kendricks, even though he's a linebacker, is making a case for defensive player of the year. Man, like it's it's a tough position to win defensive player of the year unless you're like legitimately Brian Urlacher, and I and I feel like even the position in general never gets enough credit and love it's deserved. But the guy can cover. I mean, if the Vikings He'll seriously have problems with corner, but just just put Eric Eric Kendricks on one of the top two receivers at this point, the dude can cover, and he's having a phenomenal year. He was an All Pro last year. Probably gonna be another All-Pro Pro Bowler again this year, but he's making a case for it. So I'll, I'll say that case for Defensive Player of That here. interception was just ridiculous. And he hey, damn near had hey, two. Tenth play of the drive for the Cowboys.
1: Oh, it's picked off. A diving interception oh, by Eric Kendricks.
0: <laughs> what a play! What a play!
1: Vilma.
3: Vilma uh, and oh. Kenny. Albert he was
2: villainized by Vikings fans, I think mostly because people just hate anyone that was on the 2009 New Orleans Saints yeah. team. I kind of liked him. I know, Judd, you were at the game, but I, I I thought he was great. I really enjoyed he, him. He
3: did make one comment at one point. Uh, I think it was Adam Thielen was complaining or something about defensive contact on a play, and Jonathan Vilma reacting to potential defensive contact on a Vikings offensive player predictably said, I don't know if I saw anything there. And I was like, oh, of course you didn't. Of course you didn't. <laughs> Uh, actually, one more thing off the broadcast crew here, okay, I do wonder at the at the Albert family so Marv Albert Kenny Albert at the Albert family Thanksgiving is mm-hmm. there a more throaty Thanksgiving conversation than with the Alberts? Yes, we talk out of our throats
0: yes hey, what's that?
1: Tenth play of the drive for
0: the cowboys oh, oh. yes out yeah, I was
1: just gonna say. Here's the turkey. Yes. <laughs> Mashed potatoes. Yes.
3: All right. Silver lining. Believe it or not, according to 538.com, the Vikings still have a 20% chance to make the playoffs. <laughs> wow. That's a huge. That's. Yeah. Well, that 20%. Crazy league. And if they win these next two games, which they should, and they will be favored in them. Teddy Bridgewater did not play yesterday. So we'll see what happens with his status this week. I'm guessing he probably wants to play. Yep. But if they win these next two games, that percentage creeps up. Got to keep an eye on the Arizona Cardinals, who are a couple games in front of the Vikings, but there's still a 20% chance here. Win these next two games and then see what happens against the Buccaneers.
1: Can I give you one from the game? Like, just as a fan of football, I got to see C.D. Lamb make a touchdown catch that was spectacular. And I saw notes saying, Well, Gladney's got to stop that. Okay, I propose this question. How is Jeff Gladney stopping that play? That was, just,
3: a, it was an absurd that that, yeah. that
1: is a nuts... I mean, he's falling backwards, hauling the ball in with his free hand, and securing it. Yeah. Um, that was, as a football fan, that was a spectacular thing to watch.
3: I feel like we are in this wide receiver renaissance right now. You know, there's still some old guard guys. There's still... you know, OBJ is hurt, but there's still... you know, Antonio Brown is back, and... You got DeAndre Hopkins is, is is one of the old guard guys and still playing better than almost anybody. But this twenty five and under group with both the guys we saw yesterday, DK Metcalf, DJ Moore in Carolina is now up to yeah. like nine hundred yards receiving. Yes. Um this Terry McLaurin in Washington with no quarterback, just putting up ridiculous yards every week. We've got some we got some guys twenty five and under that are really, really fun to watch. And the position.
1: catches that they make.
3: Yeah. It's uh guys that you grew up watching. Unless they had, you know, Fred a Blitnikoff a with, to a, stick em on uh, their with hands. the stick-em.
1: Fred Blitnikoff of uh, Raiders fame. Yeah, you're exactly right. But, I mean, they, they make one-handed grabs. Now you expect them.
3: And even Thielen, apparently Thielen had told the broadcast crew or whatever, just like, yeah, I—, I I don't think one-handed grabs are as hard as you all think they, that they are. And then, of course, you see the last two weeks, and Thielen has made two of them. Yeah, that yeah. was a great
1: catch, too. You're right. So, all
3: right, so that's our that's our pie chart of, of blame for the Vikings. And, again, Purple Daily for even more in-depth breakdown in our Viking statements on this Monday and for Vikings vent line from yesterday. Quick pause, and the Timberwolves had a low-key big weekend, making three big moves.
0: He's an elite playmaker. Um, you know, we, we have a, a, a core and a young group um, that... Uh, will need guidance and not, not for any other reason than that it takes time in this league to find your way. And having somebody of, of Ricky's uh, character, having somebody of, of Ricky's basketball and NBA knowledge, um, he'll be able to help these guys along. So we're, we're really looking forward to that. Uh, and then, you know, you, you look at a guy, guy like Anthony, uh, what, what they're already able to do are things that, that you can't teach uh, with their God-given abilities. Now, as, as, as we continue to work with them, uh, we'll be able to hone some of those, some of those things in and also uh, develop other, other characteristics that they don't even know they have in their game. And uh, that just goes back to having an elite playmaker like Ricky, having an elite point guard like D'Angelo out there, being able to help, help these guys and maximize them. Ooh, uh,
3: Ryan Saunders talking about developing characteristics that Anthony Edwards doesn't even know he has. Anthony, you're going to be shooting only from half court. What do you mean?
1: So that's what I even, just told you. Didn't you didn't even know you could do this. Yeah. So I just told you, right? You'll be shooting from half court. That's all you're going to do. Just stand there.
3: It's going to be great. Uh, the Wolves roster reconstruction plan that started last year, they just, they, the Gerson Rosas and company took over the front office and just put a construction sign out front, said uh, we'll we'll be finalized at some point in 2021. And so they're definitely still going to make moves uh, in the future, but... Their roster reconstruction, at least for 2020 and, and then into the start of the season, looks to be complete after three big moves over the weekend. The Wolves re-sign Malik Beasley to a four-year, $60 million contract extension. I believe the fourth year is a team option. Uh, Juan Hernan Gomez, nine, power forward, swing guy who can shoot, as we saw last season, former first-round pick with the Nuggets. He signs a contract, and then they make a trade for defensive power forward, And noted team leader in the background, Ed Davis, doesn't even wind up playing a game with the Knicks. He's bounced all over the place. But I think the biggest move of these three and the one that's getting the most attention and maybe even sideways looks is the Malik Beasley contract, in part because he's got some legal things that are playing out right now, but also because most people look and see, wait a second, this dude was like sort of an experimental guy last year that was trying to prove himself over the course of the second half of the season after the trade. And he did enough to get a sixty million dollar contract over four years. And Judd, I just want to tell people, if you if you start to play the math game in the NBA, like if you start to see these contracts, like how does that guy make 15 million, 20 million, and you're comparing to like football, baseball? The NBA salary cap is $109 million, and there's only 15 guys on each team. So they're all getting paid. So I think we have to move past like, how does that guy make 15 million? Well, somebody's going to make $15 million who can shoot forty percent from three. He turns 24 this week. He was one of the Wolves' best offensive players last year, and he's one of the better three-point shooters in the entire league, over 40% the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. And so is it a little bit of an overpay for for Malik Beasley? Probably, but um, I don't think it like cripples their They, they weren't going to go out. They didn't have free agency money anyways to spend. This is all money bringing their own guys back. So it doesn't like hamper their ability to get a third superstar in free agency. I like it. He's a good player.
1: So with the... Uh Reconstruction of this roster largely in place now. Answer me this, Phil Mackey: How does the offense work as far as as the pieces of the puzzle of the players who are going to play the most fitting together? So
3: a lot of that remains to be seen because we don't know. We don't even know what the starting lineup is going to be. I, we I need if... you to
1: recklessly speculate on my question <laughs> right now. I don't need... reckless
3: speculation. You got the reckless question.
1: speculation. Great talk. Juicy rumor. Sure.
3: So let me let me take your. I'm, I want to answer it in this way. Yeah. Because I think it's I think it's less about like well what what's this all going to look like. I think I don't like we don't even know what the starting lineup is going to be. We, we don't know if Anthony Edwards is going to start right away. We don't know if Rubio is coming off the bench. Uh, but we but we do know that the Wolves' three main objectives over the past twelve months or so are pretty clear, and they've done all they can to pour energy into these three objectives. All right. So I want to answer your question this way. Objective number one was get better shooters in here. For years and years, and we love Flip Saunders, but even Flip Saunders in his second time around, and and uh, when Sam Mitchell was the coach, the Wolves were running mostly a two-point-centric offense, and only when Gerson Rosas and company took over, did they, like, literally on their practice court, did they start putting red X's in the long two-point areas. Yeah. And they're not shy about it. I mean, Anthony Edwards came out and said, there was an anecdote uh, on draft day, that he and his trainer were getting set to work out for the Timberwolves brass, and the trainer had some long two point jump shots built into the workout. Anthony Edwards stopped the workout and said, "Hey, the Wolves don't take these shots. <laughs> yes. Let's get rid of these." And so they've they've ju- they've just now sort of caught up to what the Rockets and the Warriors and the Suns were doing this twelve years ago with uh, with um, wow. Why am I spacing on uh, Mike D'Antoni? So so get run run the right system that's efficient so score inside and shoot from outside but you got to have better shooters than they had last year to pull that off it was a bunch of Josh Akogi's and Jarrett Culver's yeah. just put up bricks last year so Malik Beasley Juan Hernan Gomez these guys can both shoot Anthony Edwards can shoot too but his shot selection is terrible and and the percentages you know bared that out at Georgia and obviously Towns is one of the best shooters in the NBA so get better shooters in they did that in part after the trade deadline uh, hit last year that's main objective number one. Objective number two is get some veteran leadership in here so that you can help mold these young guys, just just build a more uh, mature culture behind the scenes in a more stable culture, and make sure those guys can play, too. It's like, remember when the Twins brought in, let's bring Jason Kubel back and we'll bring Jason Bartlett back. And Bartlett did magic tricks. Lay off him. It'll be great. And it's like, well, those guys couldn't do anything I'm, anymore. I'm going to disappear now. <laughs> hey, Bartlett disappeared. Yeah, Off waivers. You see him play
1: yeah. left field? Yeah, that's why he disappeared.
3: And, uh, and with Ricky Rubio, even more so Ricky Rubio than Ed Davis, because he's going to get more minutes, but Ricky Rubio and Ed Davis both check that box. They're sure. both good. They're not going to be, like, the elite players on your roster, but uh, but they're both leaders behind the scenes. They're both good at what they do. Ed Davis, by all accounts, is a valuable, good, defensive minded power forward that's going to play, you know, 10 to 20 minutes a night. And from Johnny Kay, Athletic, on Ed Davis, he tweeted a couple days ago DMs and texts being flooded right now from people, players, coaches, and media absolutely raving about Ed Davis. A very important move there for Gerson Rosa. So you got a couple guys who are in their early 30s to go along with a young roster that can actually play and help mold. And I think it's kind of like the Taj Gibson factor I sure. mean, until the wheels came off the Tom Thibodeau era. Sure. You need guys like that, and that's kind of what Ed Davis is going to be. And then objective number three is get a bunch of interchangeable wing-type players. Give yourself flexibility with your rotations. It's not 1990 anymore where you've got a center and a forward and another forward, and a point guard that wears short shorts and throws chest passes like Marty McFly, like or like, uh, what was his name, Scott and Teen Wolf. Like, you need interchangeable wing-type guys that are 6'4", to 6'8", 6'9", that can play two or three different positions, that can switch on pick and roll, and uh, and you can change your starting lineups, et cetera. So basically, 80% of their roster now is guys who are between like 6'4", 6'8", 6'9", They can play two, they can play the three, they can play the four if you want to run a smaller lineup out there. And a lot of them can shoot better than maybe a year or two ago uh, with this roster. So better shooters, veteran leadership, interchangeable wing-type players. They've checked a lot of those boxes, and now we just have to see how good are some of these players. How good is Malik Beasley? How good is Towns at his best? How good can Delo be? How good can Anthony Edwards be? Uh, and, and and let those guys grow within the system. So that's, Beasley, that's my answer to your
1: question. Does, does Beasley thrive off this deal, or is there a threat of complacency off this deal? Because he, he was in, in that prove it sort of, you know, uh, and he played well at times, I thought. Yeah. But I'm curious about personality-wise. I'm curious if this now takes it up a notch and he actually improves, or if he says, oh, man, I got my deal, which we've seen lots of guys do. That's the one thing that, you know, time will tell. But... I guess it's the one question I have about him because I didn't get a read on his personality really. Yeah, I think so this is an apples to oranges because the
3: contracts were different, but when Wiggins signed the contract, I think there was major fear of complacency and as it turned out like he didn't really add anything to his geometric signed the contract. And that was a right? first
1: guess, fear of complacency.
3: And and it was well, the carrot that you're dangling, hey, if you want if, if you want this type of money, you have to turn into the team leader and all these things like they gave him the carrot before he finished the race. And so there was really no incentive for him to get up at 3 in the morning like Kobe and get to the gym, right? Like, Not that he's that type of guy anyways. Right? With Beasley, no one's expecting him to be one of their two or even three best players. That pressure is on Towns, D'Angelo Russell, and now Anthony Edwards. And I think if Beasley can come in and be, you know, and, and he may get, I don't think he's going to start. again. I, I we'll have to see the lineups play out. But I think he's a guy that's going to play 25 to 35 minutes a night, depending on matchups and game flow. And if he can just be a scoring spark in those situations uh-huh. with very little pressure, um, I, I don't, I don't, I don't think you're going to see complacency. I think he's going to come in and like want to jack threes and score 20 points. He's a, he's a little bit like a more modern NBA version of Jamal Crawford in that way, where. He's just a guy that could come in and maybe in 20 minutes, he jacks eight threes and scores like 24 points. I love that and guy. And gives you a huge spark. I love Jamal Crawford. That's one of the best comparisons I can come up with. If he can turn into like modern day, you know, uh, diet Jamal Crawford, I would say that would be a great win for the Timberwolves.
1: So what what is your opening night starting five right now? Do you start Ricky at the point guard? Hmm. Let me draw this and Russell at the two?
3: So Delo and Cat are for sure starting. Yep. I think Hernan Gomez probably starts. I think you want that I think you want uh s- stretch bigs at the 4 and the 5. Not a lot of defense with these first no. three, Cat D'Lo and Hernan Gomez. No, no, no. And then the question becomes do you if you start Rubio, you're basically committing to Delo off the ball to start the game, which yep. I wouldn't put it past them. Yep. I probably start Anthony Edwards. I mean, there's no yeah. defense in here <laughs> at oh all God. whatsoever.
1: So where where does he start I, I just bring technically? Where does so Town- Towns start? at the five? I don't. Hernandez at the four, four, and yeah, and then Edwards and then at the Ed- three. Edwards
3: kind of at the three, but he can also handle the ball. And right. then and then Rubio at the one, D'Lo at the two. I don't know if I love that though. That's it's a great question. I don't know what the lineup's going to be, and I don't know if they know what the lineup's going to be yet. Because you can make a case that Malik Beasley should get some starting run here. Because
1: you got to have some defense, right? <laughs> so like Ricky well, could end up starting because if you got to have some defense. Here's the thing. Or do you not care? They aren't going to play good defense. No, they're not. But, I mean, do you want a stabilizer or not? Well, Like it, one it, stabilizer? Here's the other thing.
3: Carl anthony Towns needs to become more of that stabilizer. True. He's got the physical attributes to do it. I don't know why it hasn't clicked as much defensively. You know, KG was great for him in his rookie year because KG was out there helping bark out the calls and just set that defensive culture. Yeah. And, and, and you're yes. kind of hoping that KG could spend maybe two oh. or three additional years with the Timberwolves of that stretch, even as a consultant, and yep. he's just been gone. So so at, at some point, if Towns doesn't play defense, it's tough to really maximize question. this team's potential.
1: Do they have a, a player, either in Ricky or Davis, do they have a player on their roster who can play enough to hold people accountable? Because that's what KG did.
3: Yeah, both both Ricky and Ed Davis are going to be the types of guys that... that and Taj put, Taj did too. Uh, but Ed Davis, I don't, I don't see Ed Davis being. It's if he's a starting lineup guy, it's going to be for short bursts and more. Just but like can to he set play a enough early
1: at all to influence? Yes, his teammates because yeah, I, I he'll, think he'll play
3: ten to twenty minutes a night. I
1: think that's the thing that Towns needs, right? Like Ta- if Towns has a person who he respects, and, it, and that's the most important part of this. If Carl Anthony Towns is a guy that he respects who plays enough to carry weight, basically say. Dude, you got to play defense. Yep, and, I think and, that makes a
3: difference. Yep, setting the example, and it's funny—we've had this whole conversation, and we haven't mentioned at all the first-round pick from last year, which is Jarrett Culver. I don't know how much Jarrett Culver, like I—I I, I don't see any way he starts. I don't know how much he plays. Like, look at all these wing players. The A-Koge Wolves have. plays more, right? A Kogi's another one. Like those guys are going to get some minutes, but you know, if I'm if I'm looking at the wing players that I am. Well, and some of this is just like some guys are going to give you more offense. If if it's who who do I trust to lock somebody down late in the game? Okay, Josh Akogi. We're, you're you're going to get you're going to get some minutes at the end of a game, right. Defensively. But the, one of the bigger questions here is what happens with Jared Culver and you know, how? I'm I'm sure they were dangling him in in trade discussions, but the problem there is he couldn't really shoot when he came into the league, and now they're like working with his jump shot mechanics and. That's a fairly common thing. You get to the NBA and they fix a busted jump shot, but it's also really hard to justify a first-round pick that can't shoot anymore in t- at that position. In <laughs> he's got a new shot.
1: Don't forget, he's he's <laughs> revamped his shot. Okay,
3: yeah. So um, so yeah, there's a lot of potential here. There's a lot of there's a lot of different guys that you could interchange and create different lineups based on your opponent too. And there's going to be some games where like Ed Davis will not see the floor if the Lakers if the Lakers are in town and they've got you know they've got a couple they've got. Uh, Anthony Davis and they've got, um, I'm trying to think of, like Dwight Howard is gone, but and they've got a couple bigs in their Ed, lineup, right? Dwight. Then Ed Davis probably gets some run. Okay. But if you're playing, like the Miami Heat at the end of the year last year, the Miami Heat were running out one of the smallest lineups in the league, and like Jimmy Butler was playing the four on defense Like sometimes. Houston did, yeah. Yep, in Houston. Those are games where Ed Davis just like might not play, or he might play five minutes. And the problem out.
1: is, if, if he doesn't play, then I don't know that he can carry the weight to hold a guy like Cat responsible.
3: No, he'll play throughout the season. I'm saying but there's going to be games where he doesn't play. He'll play enough in the
1: season to do it. Okay, to hold accountability. Yeah, I just had an epiphany as you, you were talking about Flip that hit me, and this comparison would never be made because the people's personalities were so different. Flip and Zim basically are the same guy in approach largely very different personalities very different personalities but think about the approach and think about it because they're both good right or flip was good like flip could coach and zim can coach but when you think about the fundamental philosophy of what they wanted to do it's very similar it's very similar in the sense that it you questioned if it was up to date enough to consistently win and it and it was like like, very, like, like, like like zim would shoot Long twos.
3: Yeah, and Flip, that was going to be the biggest thing, you know, before Flip tragically passed away is how much can he evolve and his offenses when they were clicking twenty years ago were always very much move the ball. A lot of principles that can be used today, move the ball around, jump shot centric offense, and a big man who can play sometimes even ball handler and can and, and a lot of those flip lineups too, like the the two, three and four guys, so KG, Trenton Hassel, uh Latrell Sprewell, like you could switch off off pick and roll defensively. So mm-hmm. a lot of flip principles do translate, but um yeah, long twos. But, do like not you translate. think
1: about how how both of those guys designed things to win and then where the leagues evolved to, and sure. you're like, I don't know that this still works, but it doesn't make you a bad coach. Sure. And and they were they were both in their own way, they could both become very um defensive about how they did things. Like like flip and the long two, Flip would get defensive. Like he did not like to be questioned. And I think pe- people were like, yeah, Flip, but the game's changed. And he's like, but, it, it, but this still works. And by the way, sometimes people
3: take that too far. I mean, if you have open long twos and you have, and you knock them down at like a 45, 50% clip, I mean, Kevin Durant, go look at his shot chart. Kevin Durant makes long twos with hands in his face at like a 48% clip or something. He should take long twos he should probably take more threes and get to the to the rim sure so i i do think and maybe the wolves fall in this category that if like carmelo anthony joined the rockets 2 years ago and spotted up in an early season game from 18 feet wide open and knocked it down and then put his hand up to his mouth like oh and looked at his bench and said i'm sorry after knocking down a wide open 18 footer <laughs> so sometimes we take it too far if you're wide open from 18 feet and you can knock that shot down <laughs> Take it if you're Ricky Rubio and you're not so great from you know mid range, you should probably not shoot that. Change that shot. (laughs) Change your face. So all right, so exciting weekend for the Timberwolves. We uh, we're gonna pause quick and come back with things we learned on NFL Sunday. Mackie and Judd.
0: Come on,
1: football, 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 yeah, Yeah. Yeah. football, football, get
2: some.
0: You think you like football? John Gruden doesn't just like football; he f-ing loves football. You run right by his ass, scare him to death! Ho 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 ho! Santa Claus is here. Huddle up. Football! Football! Yeah!
3: yeah. yeah. Football!
0: Yeah. football. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Gotta eat. Terrifying! That was, that was terrifying, John Gruden. Gentlemen, things we learned on NFL Sunday. Let's make a couple trips around the room here. Outside of the Vikings' debacle late in that Dallas game, Judd Zolgad.
1: All right, all right. I learned this: the Dolphins in deciding during a twenty to thirteen loss mm-hmm. to, to the Broncos, and I've been a I've been a fan of where the Dolphins are going. But by deciding to bench to uh, during the course of this game to put in Fitz Magic, they are trying to serve two agendas: winning and development and I don't like it. If Tua is your guy, he is your guy. And unless he gets hurt, he should play. Um I really just question this because so basically you're saying we don't trust we trust you, we trust you, we trust you. We don't trust you now and then and then make it very clear post game but you're still our starter. Uh, this is sideways to me, and I think if you're the Dolphins and you are intent on making Tua your starter and developing him, then he is your quarterback. And basically saying, "But we're going to put in a fossil now because we trust him more" is a very weird m- message that I don't think is productive to the ultimate develop development of Tua.
3: Yeah, it was it was kind of weird. I I would if you're just in development mode, wouldn't you want to see? how he reacts in a game in which he's kind of getting beat up and he's not playing really well. But you know what? You still have a chance at the end. Yeah. And then, of course, what happens? Classic Ryan Fitzpatrick ending. Yeah, well, and that's the thing, to, yeah. Yeah. What
2: good did that do them? It's, it's tough when you're playing my guy, Drew Locke, in the Denver Broncos. You know, you got oh, to watch out for Drew Locke.
3: Drew Pretty team. Now, yeah. the Dolphins, I think they did say that Tua is still the starter. No, that's the point, week, though. So. Like, if he's your yeah, starter, so he's your here. starter.
1: Just stick with your starter. Football. Yeah.
2: Alright, I learned that Aaron Rodgers uh, is not that clutch. So I this is a great stat from uh, Rob Domofsky of ESPN. Aaron Rodgers in overtime in his career. Oh my god, two eight and one record. Interesting. He's attempted only seventeen passes in those games. He has lost four times without touching the ball and three times on overtime turnovers. Two by him with winning points coming off said. Well, so mm-hmm. some of that is a little bad luck. I okay, get that he didn't so touch the ball. Let's take the eight games in which, or
3: the four games he didn't touch the ball. He's still two, four, and one.
2: Yeah. So right? I mean, he's that means he has only won two, two of those games. So sorry, Aaron Rodgers. I mean, I love you. I do love Aaron Rodgers. I'm a big fan of him. He's but, a front runner. But uh, brother, your team blew a lead, and you could have, you could have won. You
1: know, you Brett Favre, it. baby. You know Brett Favre. No nope.
0: Football.
3: I learned that the Raiders are much more of a legitimate contender than we think in the AFC. I think we've all kind of looked at the Raiders and John Gruden's just being in Chucky the last couple of years <laughs> and Derek Carr is just kind of a yeah, he's kind of a fake franchise quarterback, right? But they've given the Chiefs a couple of runs this year. They well hell, they beat the Chiefs once, right? And then yesterday it took a Pat Mahomes classic drive down the field late in that game. Funny when you're down by three points late in the game with a minute and a half and a timeout It's not allowed.
1: Uh, what happened? There was you, not allowed. It broke NFL
3: rules. You do have permission to go down the field quickly wow. and confidently yeah. and score points. Just, uh, just going to throw it out there. And by the way, uh, the star pass catchers have permission to not drop key passes too, just to spread the blame around. But yeah, the Ra- I almost feel like when we think about the AFC, you know, it's it's Chiefs and we're thinking about the Steelers and you know the Ravens have been top of mind, even though they haven't been the same team as last year. And then maybe we get to the Raiders at some point, but we should probably get to the Raiders quicker in that discussion. Cause if they're doing this with the chiefs in the regular season, then maybe they can make a run in January
1: football. I learned. <clears throat> that the Cleveland Browns are going to make the playoffs. And Kevin Stefanski might very well be the National Football League's coach of the year in doing what is near miraculous, which is to take (laughs) this franchise, which has been awful for how long and has had coach after coach fired. Uh, But you know what? The Browns might not be perfect, and Baker is certainly flawed at times. But if I'm not mistaken, in beating the, the Eagles on Sunday, it was their, what, seventh win? The Cleveland Browns are going to the playoffs and that for this franchise is definitely saying yeah. something.
3: I just feel like yeah, they're 7 and 3 and they deserve credit and all those things, but it feels like such a fake 7 and 3 record.
1: Yeah, but Doesn't, I mean they're t- beating up but you know what? They're beating the teams that they probably should and in 2020, you get credit for that, I yeah.
3: think. And you know what, Stefanski the bar is very, very low for Brown's success, but he has he has surpassed it yeah. more than basically any coach since Bill Belichick. The sad,
1: so. the sad statement is they look competent, and that's not usual.
3: Yeah, it is weird. It's uh, the it, it really is like 25 years since they've looked like this at all. So. Football.
2: Next. Yeah, how, how in the hell did the Detroit Lions win four games this uh, this season? Uh, they got embarrassed by it. Look, and P.J. Walker's a cool story. I know my guy Teddy was out, but... You, got, you didn't score a single point against Carolina? I know I made the right, da- right that down call that I thought Nagy was going to be fired by Patricia. We haven't heard anything that Patricia's being fired as we record this on they Monday th- morning. Th- they play Thursday. Oh, That's why okay. he can't be fired. So I'm he should sure, be fired. So he's probably on borrowed time here, and it wouldn't be <sighs> surprising by this time next week when we record yeah. things around the NFL that he's gone, but Detroit lays an absolute egg and they're still handing the ball off to Adrian Peterson. Poor, I do feel bad for oh Stafford. I love me some Matt Stafford. Let's check on Adrian here. He, oh, uh, you didn't
1: see
3: yesterday's th- stats? Seven
2: oh. carries. Oh, yeah. Here we go. 18 yards. Oh, man. 2.6 yards per Dude, attempt. Dude, Adrian. It's, oh, just uh, go away. It's bad. I, f- I do feel bad for Stafford. But but the Detroit Lions are pitiful. Matt Patricia somehow weaseled his way into four wins and weaseled his way into this season. As the head coach, and I don't think it's going to last much longer.
3: Yeah, Adrian on the season now. Oh, man. He has run the ball 104 times this season. Of course he has. For 389 yards. So three and a half yards per carry. He's got the two touchdowns. Yeah. And it's also, he just if he's going to keep playing... You, you can't play for Washington and Detroit. He needs to play for a good. He needs to get like six carries on a good team. Yeah. Goal line back. But no. But all no one's going to
1: reserve space for, for him on a good team, right? Like Frank Gore's with the Jets and Adrian's with the Lions and guys. Just, just it's over. They're both chasing the it, same records too. But it's okay for it to be done before you, you're just not going to get there. <laughs> They're chasing the same records. Uh, all right. Last thing. I don't know if you Court guys ball.
3: saw. Yeah. Probably did. I, I learned that the Titans own the Ravens. After yesterday's escapades, yeah. Yeah. so the Titans came out. They uh, they all gathered on the Ravens logo at the 50-yard line and did a little dance and we're basically just like, before the game, I think it was before the game started, it right? Yes. Yeah, yeah, so and they were chirping at the Ravens from across the field, and the Ravens players came walking up, and John Harbaugh was at the front of the line, and there were Titans players MFing John Harbaugh and company before the game started. Mike Vrabel loves this stuff, too. You can just tell he's encouraging this, I'm sure. And uh, and then eventually the game plays out, and the Titans get the game-winning touchdown run by Derrick Henry, and they celebrate, and John Harbaugh blows off the handshake. They did walk up to each other at midfield, and, uh, and Vrabel went, you know, put her on the old vice, stuck the <laughs> hand out, and John Harbaugh dismisses it and said something, but they both had their masks on, so we couldn't tell what they were saying. But John Harbaugh, not very happy, and it just kind of feels like you know, the the Ravens have been kind of the, the tough guy team in the AFC, but it almost feels like Mike Vrabel has molded the Titans into that sort of hard-nosed, yeah. tough guy team, team you don't want to see right Absolutely. in the playoffs. Absolutely. And the Vikings almost beat that team, which is room for optimism, I guess. They only lost by one in that game. Football. Yeah. Those are things we learned in the NFL on Sunday. Anything else before we wrap this show? Is Taysom Hill...
1: A legit guy to start for for the Saints for the rest of the season p- potentially, it. and and here's the second point: Can he stay healthy playing the style that he's going to need to play to win?
3: Well, apparently the big controversy over the weekend is that he still has tight end eligibility in fantasy football. Ooh. Oh, that's okay So, so I saw people this on were Twitter. starting him at okay, tight end, and they so they had like quarterback stats oh. and running back stats basically because he scored two rushing touchdowns. That's a flaw in the system. At tight end it is.
1: <laughs> wait, wait! You shouldn't be able to start a guy at a position in which he's not going to start that week, should you? Yeah, I don't know. He, but he was eligible
3: at tight end because right. he He's played both. But both. I'm
1: saying, I think we need to close up that uh, loophole potentially. Yeah, well,
3: well. Maybe how do don't you play? Football? How do you know what? You know, I don't. These yeah. coaches are so secretive. Yeah. You, who knew what he was going to play until the game started? Guy but, was guy was
1: uh he was in disguise all week. Ma- major vote of confidence for uh, J- Jameis Winston, right? Yeah, God, Jameis. Hey, Jameis, we're going to start a guy who's got tight end eligibility and fantasy above you.
3: Yeah, he's a he's a gimmick player who's thrown like four career passes. Yeah, so all of them out of trick plays.
1: That's all I got. All
3: right, that's a wrap on Mackie and Judd here. Purple Daily Viking statements today. So be sure to check that out on Apple, Spotify, and ScoreNorth.com, and our two YouTube channels, YouTube.com/scorenorthmn. Thank you guys for helping us get up to one thousand seven hundred subscribers. And uh, we're hoping to get to 2000 by the end of the year. And then YouTube.com slash Purple Daily Podcast for all Vikings discussions. See you guys.